Now recording. Uh, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Ground Up. My name is Pete Caputa. Uh, I will be recording here uh, my third podcast, I believe, sans John Bonini. So we'll see how I how I do, and he continues to let me do this. Uh, today I have two amazing guests with me: Kathy Howe from Storyteller uh, and Joe Jerome from Brand Builder Solutions. And I'm going to have them introduce themselves in a second. But before I do, I'm going to preface this with a little bit. Uh, Kathy and, and Joe are both owners of agencies. Kathy runs the agency with her husband, Ed. Uh, and Joe uh, runs his own agency, Brand Builders. Uh, they worked together on a lot of projects. And I wanted to highlight this because this is the kind of stuff that I think actually builds businesses may not be like the sexy part of building a business, uh, but partnerships are, I think, what makes the world go round. And I also really admire both of these agencies because they've chosen to focus on what they're really good at. Uh, we'll get into it a little bit when they explain uh, themselves, but Storyteller is amazing with video marketing and video, using video within marketing. Brand Builders uh, Solutions is amazing and amazingly efficient and effective at building sites on the HubSpot content management system. And so uh, I'm going to have, I'm going to turn it over to them now, but uh, both of these agencies have grown in the years that I've known them uh, quite, quite well. Uh, and I think part of that is because they stick to their, stick to what they're really good at. Uh, they double down on it actually. And, um, and they're willing to work with agencies that complement them. So with that, uh, Kathy, could you give us a little bit of an intro to Storyteller and your background and kind of how you got started with Storyteller and uh, who you help and how you help them? Thanks, Pete. Um, that's a lot of questions, so I'll try to I'll peel those Yeah, we can do one at a time. Yeah, so um, Ed, my husband, started Storyteller in 2009 after um, several years in the media as a sportscaster and reporter and journalist and just decided that he wanted to stay married and move into the I've had a similar conversation. <laughs> 2009 was when we um, hung a shingle. Um, I joined a couple years later, and shortly thereafter, we joined HubSpot. Um, little centered, little coincidence there. Um, so sure, small. I'll take a little credit for that one. But um, mm -hmm. so we, for many years, um, have created a lot of content, produced a lot of videos, and have evolved um, with HubSpot which has been just a terrific experience in helping businesses grow online and create um, a really refined sales and marketing process where one didn't exist. And we do that using HubSpot, using content, using video, um, and marketing automation best practices. So that's a little bit of our story. Cool. And you've, uh, you have, done that for a variety of companies, but over time you've increasingly focused on a, in a few different types of industries, correct? Um, we have just recently this year focused um, on a vertical, which we had never really done before. So we're working with private clubs who are looking to go from very traditional forms of marketing and moving them into online marketing and being able to create um, leads and and a process that doesn't exist really unilaterally across the industry. So we're really excited about that. But we built our business 
really working with um, HubSpot who didn't work and partner with an agency. So we mm -hmm. really, um, that became a niche regardless of what the industry was in. We had some criteria in which we made decisions to work with different companies, but really that was a primary growth engine for us. Cool. And then um, you used, uh, Ed started it in 2009. It was obviously him. And then how big is the agency now? So we just yesterday hired employee, full-time employee, 14. Um, 14. Nice. 14. We have a team of about 10 freelance writers um, and a few awesome. video freelancers as well. But um, 14 is the biggest we've ever been. So excited about Congratulations. That. That's awesome. Yeah, it's huge. Joe, how about you? Let's turn it over to you. So tell us a little bit about Brand Builder Solutions, how you got started. How we got started. Well, I, I think it started back in 2005, July of 2005. I had worked in corporate positions and gotten to as far as I wanted to go and <laughs> uh, realized I didn't like the view from the top. But most of my background historically had been in data, uh, believe it or not, and not so much on the website. And what the company started in 2005 was primarily a, um, a consultant company that would bring together marketing plans, financial, um, the financial plans of companies, and IT solutions all together uh, in one place for larger companies, much larger than we deal with in the HubSpot world. So dealing with large data sets and optimizing campaigns. So over time, really exciting stuff, right? You talk about boring stuff, but it always had a, <laughs> had a high impact. As time went on, you realized a lot of these engagements would, you know, as in consulting engagement would do, dwindle over time. And you'd leave your client when they were at maximum success after a few years. So what we noticed, or at least what I noticed, it was just me at the time, I noticed people were less willing to pay for a person, no matter what the impact, than they would, you know, in terms of getting that um, value altogether with um, other services. So we started to kind of creep into service areas. And some of that could have been things that were very non-inbound, like, you know, voice broadcast, which is known as robocalls, a lot of direct mail services that we were, <laughs> we were providing I mean, and created some interesting models. Can't well, shake the robocalls. Well, yes. that, ch that changed in about 2009, 2010, I reformat the business and didn't know a company named HubSpot and made a pitch to our local incubator here as a company who was going to merge marketing and technology together to make websites that sell. <laughs> and we were going to be the first mm -hmm. to do it ever. Didn't do enough research. <laughs> In 2011, discovered a company called HubSpot and said, okay, uh, I don't think we're going to beat these folks from MIT. <laughs> uh, this idea is already out there. If you can't beat them, join them. So we came into the HubSpot community. Um, and at first, I think, we were pretty much we were doing the website work for quite a bit by the time we got to HubSpot. I think our first entree with HubSpot was coming in and helping them um, with WordPress because HubSpot's original content uh, management system, as many people who can go back far enough, wasn't really, in my opinion, a great product until they released the new for content sure. management system. So we we were we were offering a blended WordPress solution. So HubSpot improved their product side and we just did like a flip completely we're like wait wordpress stinks this thing's the greatest thing and we were the first to be to be in there um and what happened for us is we were still doing you know with that consulting background we were still doing some full service inbound and we realized hey you know we're really good at providing this one thing a lot of people need it we noticed there's a lot of bad code not many people were focused on buyer's journey this was all pre you know growth driven design 
you know, discussions. We were doing a lot of those things with analytics and, and, and cleaning up code and cleaning up journeys and providing that impact when people got on the page. So we said, you know, we're really good at this. Let's focus on this. Let's stick to this. And, and we did. And, um, and going from there. That was, that was quite a few pivots, just so that everybody knows how focused of a guy you are. How many uh, HubSpot content management websites have you done? Uh, too many to count. <laughs> yeah, or that you've used your, one of your templates. Well, that we've used one of our templates, thousands. I mean, Hundreds, right? Thousands. Thousands, yeah. We're in the thousands okay. now. And you've been doing that almost exclusively for, how, for a few years now, right? Uh, since the new content management system came out. And don't forget, we were doing that with WordPress. So I think 2012. Right. Yeah, okay. Got it. Um, and give us just to give us a feel for, you know, it was you in the beginning, where are you at now? Like, what, what are you, uh, yeah. you know, where are you, what are you tracking to? Well, so we, we started hiring out of, uh, locally here, right out of the local university. And we started with, uh, yeah. internship programs and people who were right out of college. And that was back in 2012. We're up to about, um, seven people right now. We actually had more people at one time when we were off focus, when we came back into focus, uh, through attrition, a few people left. They're great. They're on to new yeah. things. And now we have a highly, highly focused team that is focused really in this one area. So, um, yeah. as, as, and because you're very focused, like you, your three throughput is of those seven people is very high. I, I know from talking about it, about it with you that, yep. um, that, uh, you do a lot of work with seven people. So you do cool. Um, so how did you two end up, um, meeting and, and starting to work together? Actually, we should stop back and like, how, what is your relationship? Like, what do you do with each other? How, what do you work on together? Kathy, you want to take it away there on, the, on that first part? Sure. So um, Ed, I believe, met you initially through a mastermind group years ago. Um, yep. And so your name became familiar. We had struggled um, quite a bit in landing on a partner to help develop sites. And it isn't what we do. It's not what we're going to do. Um, it's not, um, but it's a very important part of the inbound marketing methodology that your house is well built, right? And that no mm -hmm. matter what you do after, um, you know, how much content you create, how many great stories you produce, how many landing pages and conversion, you know, campaigns you have in place, if, if your website stinks, you're only, you're only going to get so far in the process of um, driving results. And so we um, started partnering together, I believe, Joe, on a couple small projects. Yeah, I and could I could remember the, the, the two specifically. One, one was your site. You actually had some your site. And one of the things, and it wasn't work you, you had done. You guys had been in the lane of content. It was um, some code that was done by another group recommended by HubSpot who wasn't primarily agency focused. So I think you fell to right. the bottom of their priority list and we came in and said, oh, we love to help out cleaning up this boring stuff called cleaning up code and um, let's fix these few things you're having a problem with and we're partners and we don't care if you ever use us again. Uh, let's just see how this goes. And you had a couple of clients with those same situations. So nothing was like real high level. It was like basically come in, see what you can do to fix these couple of things. And, and we did. And then we started talking about other projects and I think some light bulbs went off in, in both of our heads on the potential of bringing such a, such a focused content group who not only has fantastic written content, video content, um, you know, the campaigns you all do are fantastic 
uh, it was a perfect complement to where we were at. Um, and we're just not about code. We go and do the buyer's journey and the analysis on the front end. So they'd get in the site, tell the story in so many beautiful ways. And we'd make sure it was a very deliberate path to conversion um, in any area that was outside campaign. So. Yeah, we started certainly with not the sexiest of, of things, but really, really effective, and it, and it really um, opened our eyes and taught a lot to our team about how to approach our clients' work and look for different areas to make an impact that we didn't know. So, I mean, I think that's definitely been one of the um, assets to our relationship where, you know, the your whole team has done a terrific job of transfer of knowledge with our teams. and help us in areas that we're not as strong in. So that's been just a terrific part of our relationship, a byproduct of our relationship. Right. Sounds like an unintended uh, positive consequence there where the, the Joe's team's knowledge over time has, has helped educate your team on the right ways to, to build launch sites on the, on the CMS. Yeah, and I think there's sure. a, a fundamentally strong relationship between the two companies. I think, you know, from ownership level, there's a strong relationship. And then I think, at a team level, there's a strong relationship because it's so complementary. And I think because we understand each other's worlds, that our teams kind of operate almost as one company in many ways at times when we're on projects. It's one of those unique situations. Cool. So it seems like you made the obvious choice years ago to kind of work together. You tested yourselves out on a few small projects to uh, make sure it would work. It sounds like over time it's uh, blossomed into a really collaborative relationship um, beyond just project work and, and more in depth and <coughs> helping each other's teams upskill. Um, step back a little bit, so or maybe maybe fast forward a little bit in terms of like now how many projects roughly have you done together in uh, total over the time period? Um, we've done a lot of very small projects, but we've migrated to most projects that we're working collaborating on today are full website designs, wouldn't you say? Yeah. That we're not working any longer, but full no. um, implementation, some of our sites are around too. Um, one of the things that we've appreciated about the approach is that it is truly a growth-driven design and a lot of the small and mid-sized businesses don't have a budget to you know invest in a complete robust six-month website redesign and they're looking for something that's efficient but effective looks great and um, and really can be implemented in a short turnaround time and most recently we we just Joe's team launched after what, 60 days, Joe? Yeah, I think it was under 60 days. Yep. For 60 days. So that's really important in our business. A client wants to start buying results and as part of it. There's, there's a time sensitivity to getting it launched and off the ground as quickly as possible. Right. That's really been a terrific um um, part of working with Joe and the brand builder team. Yeah, and Joe, how 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 do you how do you do it quickly? What are you what are you doing there that uh, that enables you to go through that process quicker than if storyteller or some other agency were doing it? That's a highly patented process that we can't get into. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, I think I think you learn things when you're willing to focus down and pivot. I think we need a lot of iterations in the business, and it's true startup mm -hmm. mentality. 
um, you know, taking the you know, quote agile approach to things. But you know, when you when you when you're willing to pivot and you've done you know thousands of these and seen people work a lot of different ways, you start to see common trends and, and easily identify um, within context a certain process on how to approach a project. So like. Uh, we do a pretty good evaluation, I think, up front on the sales side. I think that's where it's important. I think that's the beauty of the relationship working with partners is Kathy is just wonderful at developing relationships. So it's very easy for us to go in as a trusted advisor and come in and assess the project on the front end and give the client the solution they're ready for at that time. We don't have to go in and oversell on any given you know piece. We don't feel the pressure to do that. We basically just give them the solution that's appropriate at the time if they're successful, they then move to the next step. It's the natural order of how business should be done, and it's a fundamental core principle of our company. We are not going to sell you something you don't need, ever. Never. Or that you're yeah. not going to be successful with. So let's talk a little bit about the sales process then. Um, so, Kathy, is your role, is it primarily doing sales for Storyteller? Yeah, developing um, high-level partnerships as well as um, I do a lot of cold calling. <laughs> a lot of, Consultations, yeah. Yeah, you do. Storyteller does a lot of local, local business, right? You focus locally a bit. I know you have some clients outside, but we do. And um, as we expand to this new target market, it, it's going mm-hmm. to be more national. But we've built our business really locally, and so yeah. uh, sometimes um, in our conversations, uh, like the website we just talked about, about the one that launched last week. We wouldn't have gotten that opportunity had we not had a web design part um, solution as part of our retainer work. Um, this okay. company looked at eight different agencies and shows us if we could. Uh, eight agencies. Jesus. That's nutty. But um, it was real. <laughs> didn't have a web design component. And so it made it uh, just a no brainer for us to be able to include. You know, we know we know the process. We know the pricing pretty well. We've got trust in the mm-hmm. relationships, and you know, we're we're very transparent with the client to say, you know, Brand Builder is our partner. We don't we don't pretend that it's us. Uh, we put mm-hmm. a project manager um, on it from our side to be the conduit between the client and Joe's team, and um, so it definitely fills a gap that we don't have today. That can you know be a deal breaker of missing out on a really great client and an opportunity to help them once the website's launched. That's an interesting point. So it sounds like a lot of times when a, a company is hiring an agency, the first step, at least in the client's mind, is need to redo our website or launch our website or launch a website. Is uh, how often would you say that happens, Kathy? Where that's like their step. Yeah, I mean, truthfully, there's. If their website looks pretty good and it's an opportunity for us to get started, sometimes we go down that path of starting to build build strategy and build out personas and all the necessary legwork. And then we weave um, the website into the conversation. And it can be done at a parallel path, but sometimes we, we mm-hmm. get uh, a relationship kicked off first. And so that yep. works really well because it builds the trust um, as we develop, you know, our, our work together, and it makes right. a, a referral 
um, a no-brainer because they trust the work that we're doing. So it all depends yeah. on where the company is and how bad the website is from day one. Right. And, and just doing the inbound strategy work up front where you're defining personas and maybe auditing content, things like that, that also would then inform a website, a good website, right? An effective website as well. Yeah, it goes hand in hand. I mean, everything that, regardless of what part of the, the strategy is developed first, it all fits together. And I think that's the power in having a HubSpot. If it, you know, this is a HubSpot client, having somebody who's building on the HubSpot platform with the strategy and the journey in mind, and having the team who's going to develop the ongoing content, having um, synergy between the two companies is priceless. I think that's what's yep. been, Joe, wouldn't you agree that that's what's been probably one of the best assets of our collective relationship yeah. is just the like-minded approach what? to what we're doing? Yeah, 120%. I mean, we deal with, I don't know, probably about 40 partners on one level or another, from small things to, to large, you know, more established relationships. And the one thing that Kathy and Ed got and the team there got right away was it was okay to introduce us. And I think what has happened is there's been a lot of, you know, when do you get three owners of a, of a company on the phone with you versus um, a rep that might be at a larger agency? So when you combine the team sizes, I don't think there's probably another HubSpot partner out there with seven full-time people doing strictly HubSpot work, you know, uh, that are... that are HubSpot content management system work, that, yeah. That also have marketing on our side. And then when you look at Kathy's side, that's a pretty robust content team. You know, in-house, 14. You know, a lot of these other folks will say, oh, yeah, we got like 30 people. It's to count every contractor that they dealt with in the past year. So you have really a team of 21 people coming and addressing a specific problem. So I think, you know, not being shy, not trying to say, oh, we're going to white label this. There's much more um, value to the client at the end of the day, know that they have a team of experts and highly specialized folks coming in and it's explained to the client on the front end where the breakoff points are. Kathy and her team still mm -hmm. do a lot of website work. It's, it's beyond when we have the house built, we make the house, you know, easy to continue to be maintained. We build a good structure. Yep. One of the examples we helped them out with their site and her, her Kathy's team the folks on her team took it to the next level by putting the content in the right place and further out built out the journey. So, um, you know, in the growth... That was the second yeah. site, Joe. The first site you helped Band-Aid, but then you actually did yep. a redesign of the second That's site. That's right. So, yeah. So those types of things have been highly critical. And that's the one thing I can recommend anybody doing any type of partnership um, with whatever you're partnering with. If you, if you can partner throughout the organization and not be afraid to bring that partner into the discussion... Uh, and say, hey, look, mm -hmm. this isn't like have that humility. Say, this isn't what we do best, but we work with these other folks. Yeah. And do you um, do you literally <clears throat> jump on calls together, sales calls together, where you're? And how do you how do you manage that? How do you how do you coordinate that, Kathy? How do you guys coordinate that? Yeah, we, we we jump on calls all the time. Joe makes me look smarter, so <laughs> no, but. Um, it, it all depends. You know, every client's a little bit different. We've um, we've had some calls together where we're challenging a client delicately, you know, different ways from different sides to help them think bigger and more broadly. Um, 
there's times where we hop on a call just to, um, you know, add, add two cents, you know, early on in the process. And we might not go back to that conversation for six months, but um, really to establish um, the confidence that there, this is much bigger than just the website. This is your, this is your storefront. This is your business. This is your brand. And this is what's going to help you get from, you know, whatever revenue target you are today to the next, to, to, to your goals and to not take that lightly. And so we, um, we hop on calls whenever it's appropriate, um, very transparently, you know, as partners, mm-hmm. um, we do we don't mark each other's services up. I think that's kind of a, that's, we made a decision a long time ago to be transparent and, um, and to the value that we gain from partnering together works out in the long term in our relationships with our clients. You weren't asking about right. that, but I thought I'd throw that. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's an interesting point. I hadn't, hadn't thought about that, but um, you're truly, just uh, it's you've made this partnership work. It sounds like Kathy, because it's best for the client. Like there's times when you might need somebody to build a website, and having Joe's team do that efficiently uh, is good for you. But also, since you're passing, you're basically charging the same thing. You're not trying to make money on it. You're basically just trying to serve the client. So that that's a that's I think a magnanimous thing to do. <laughs> uh, well, worked yeah. out but I think it's um there is a delineation I mean we still are two companies and um yeah you know it just makes it cleaner. Yep. Yep. Got it. Um Joe you said something interesting about how um sometimes you build the framework and they run with it. Uh, Kathy also mentioned that her teams learned a bunch about building sites correctly on the CMS from your team. So um, I know you're flexible in the way that you work. Sometimes you simply just sell people um, one of your like super template packs. Uh, sometimes you're taking your, you know, and building out the skeleton and they're populating all the content. Sometimes you go a little further. What's the typical arrangement between storyteller and brand builders? Where do, where do you, you guys, how do you guys usually work together in that regards? Yeah, I'd say typically, like Kathy said, it is it is a separate function, and we would come mm-hmm. in and assess the client as if it was one of our own independently. Of course, having mm-hmm. all that relationship and legwork, understanding the client up front makes it much more efficient for us and the client and Kathy's team, so we can do things quicker. But we come in and build that launchpad site. Generally, there's going to be a rebrand. We're going to build out a basic journey. We're going to take everything that Storyteller has done and the client's done in that preliminary phase um, to get that journey correct, to understand where the conversion points need to be, who the client is. We'll also still do that interview of, um, mm-hmm. of a client to make sure there's consistency and then go okay. from design to launch and then evaluate on the back end with data, heat maps, and things like that to see post-launch what have been the results. Have the quality of the leads become better? Are people getting to the right point? And then um, it could be 30 to 60 days. The folks come back and say, all right, uh, now what? You know, like every website, people want to do a ton of things all at once. And that's just not realistic because things change along Mm -hmm. the way. So we kind of keep a wish list running and say, okay, we're going to cover these things in phase two because what we think right now might not be true. So let's take the things we know to be true, fix them and table the other stuff and come back and see, if our first round of data and evaluation supports that. Were we very successful the first time? What in these later thoughts, what have we learned? 
and what um, part of what we were thinking originally uh, still may apply, what may not apply, and then come into a second phase and have that same impact. There's been a lot of clients okay. where we've had like one round of high impact and like the second round of high impact in terms of um, structuring, designing out the site. And that's been a really great Okay. And how does that gel well gel with your retainer process, Kathy, where you know, you're you're maybe you're doing a lightweight redesign uh up front, but then you know, the client has a wish list, maybe you have your team has ideas, Joe's team has ideas, the data suggests different ideas. How do you track kind of track that and build that into your engagement? We use data box, Pete. <laughs> uh, that's not what I was looking for. <laughs> um, but thanks for the we, plug. I know you do. <laughs> we um we use um or we will oftentimes put in uh, a budget for iteration you know the second iteration maybe six months down the road where uh, okay. we'll on brand builder to make the recommendations of after the initial site launch of what's next and we'll put a you know predictable budget together but if we need more we'll go to the client um, with the data to suggest why the budget needs to increase or change, but um, okay. that, yeah, just to be able to cover cover the ongoing um, development of the relationship and you know the, learn from what from the initial launch. Yep, yep, got it. So I think um, we've uh, we've we've covered the good stuff. Let's talk a little bit about um, like the. The tougher stuff, like w before you started working with Joe, how did you do this stuff, Kathy? We didn't. To say Joe's <laughs> team. You know, you just didn't yeah. do it. Yeah, we um, we had worked with several different um, web partner web agencies. I wouldn't say there's so much partners. We we had worked with several different web agencies, and um, what we found quickly when we found. Joe is if we're again if our sweet spot was working with HubSpot users and, and we were looking in a HubSpot platform and it wasn't built with anybody who had any idea of how to build within HubSpot. Joe and I had a few of those where we're like, holy moly, can't believe that this site is actually was built see that said they could build in HubSpot. And so yep. um you know, we we didn't know any better, and so we we would muddle along without having the insights and the data that we quickly, you know, once we engaged with with Joe, we quickly learned was was um, necessary for us to be able to make different kinds of recommendations to our clients. So prior to Joe, it was just um, kind of uh, uh, you know driving blindly. Yeah, and it's now it's now like with with brand builders as an extension, it's a little bit of an extension of your team. It's almost the core competency in a way now, uh, where whereas before you were kind of stumbling along. It sounds like your words. Um, you mentioned data a few times. So when I think of websites, I think of design and content and structure and navigation and stuff. But you've both mentioned data a few times. Joe, could you give us a, a handle on like what when do you use data in that in this process and, and yeah. or maybe some example an example or two. All the time, as much as possible. Like this is one of the few areas where in marketing where everything's trackable, but it's not a nice tidy box for everyone to understand. There's lots of contexts mm. of how data should be used. 
And I think often we, we come up with fancy terms like growth-driven design, and we talk about setting up a hypothesis. And I was even on a call some t- one time when some guy was talking about Fibonacci sequences. I said, wow, really getting out there. Some of this stuff's really obvious. Like, look at where people are coming in. If they're coming in and it's bouncing at 90%, what the heck are you doing? Your number one piece of content's bouncing at 95%. Oh, I'm, I'm a genius. Yeah. Look, here, put it in <laughs> It's like people don't know how to access the data half the time, you know, they're right. looking at or that there's a different context. So we have a million playbooks out there and trainings and watch this video and do it this way because our software provider says to, well, you do that, you're going to mm-hmm. fail. So a lot of the built-in things, um, that's what we like, you know, not to plug data box, but you can bring in the data points within context. <laughs> and um, initially it will start with an audit many times to look at like what is happening now. So the project starts like pre-sale, we'll take a quick glance at the data. Um, and in, in that first stage, we always recommend if they're getting any, uh, in that first look at the data, if they're getting any sort of volume, if there's any potential there, we will recommend a deeper dive. And where that dive lies on the spectrum is just kind of like how we are with sites. I mean, you may need um, a few hours, you may need a, a few weeks of our team's t- time really diving in. Because um, by looking at the data, we can expose journey issues um, more than anything is uh, journey issues and conversion points. So if you can get a site that's getting 50,000 visits in traffic, and they're generally overall getting a 0.5% or even 0.2%, you should see some of these percentages, not just, I'm not talking about with Kathy's clients, I'm talking about generally uh, in the market, you'll get these sites with mm-hmm. you know, 50,000 visits a month. Overall, there's 0. 0.2, 0.5% conversion. If you can go in there and tighten up some of these wow. data points, you're getting into a 1% conversion rate. Um, by right. The data huge. Data. It's 5X, yeah. And, yeah, yeah so how- you mentioned a few things. You mentioned conversion rate. You mentioned journey maps. Walk us through um, conversion rate. What are you typ- I mean, sorry. Walk us through bounce rate. What are you typically using to measure that? Is it Google Analytics or something else? Yeah, Google Analytics is the easiest. Um, not everyone's on HubSpot to begin with, so they don't they don't have those mm-hmm. statistics built in. Um, GA is yep. awesome. Uh, GA gives, gives great insights. Uh, very easy yep. to see. Um, not the easiest product to use. Wait, what, I, what I love about GA is is that you can slice and dice however you want. So you can look at bounce rate by say all the pages, individual pages on your site. So if you see a page that, like you said, has lots of traffic but it's bouncing at a really high rate, that's obviously one to fix. Or you can look at it by channel. So if you see like you know, they're getting a lot of traffic from social, but it's bouncing at a really high rate, then maybe that's a waste of time, whatever they're doing yep. or whatever they're doing needs to be tweaked a bit. And so I, lo- I love GA that way. Go ahead. What are you saying? It's not the easiest thing to use. I agree on that too. Not the easiest thing to use. So we bring another tool. So one of the tools we'll bring in too is SEM Rush. SEM Rush is just mm-hmm. not an SEO tool. SEM Rush gets in there and looks at a lot of different things, looks at your, you know, also brings in Google Analytics, connects to, um, yeah, Search Console as well, so we're able to get real deep insights. Now it's uh, definitely more of time invested on that, but that will go through yep. and see crawl errors. Um, clearly, SEO competitive. You can match up against your competitors, see how you're doing on yep. natural and paid search. Again, where those landing um, those landing points are. So um, yep. clearly, bringing that in with DataBox, not a plug. It's a solid product. It's so much easier to like present to a client by just okay. I'm going to connect this. I'm going to connect this. Let me look at my dashboards. All right, here you go. Here are the ones that are relevant. Now that there's data blocks, it's a lot easier that are that are pre-configured to go in there and say, okay, yep. well this data block. Here's your bounce rate for your homepage. Pull this in. Here's your blog traffic. Here's your conversion rate for that. 
here's another obvious gap in your strategy, and then come together and, and tell that narrative for future action. So those are the main tools yeah. they use is GA, um, Google Search Console, Google Analytics, Google uh, Search Console, um, and when we can, SEM Rush when there's a rush that there to warrant it. Joe, I throw Hotjar in there. You and I have had success um, mm -hmm. a lot of times using Hotjar as we're talking about website redesign, and I yep. think that's just that a lot of people don't know about. Yeah, Hotjar is a great tool, um, and just so everyone understands, so the other tools we're talking about were more like very data-driven, base-level data, you know, numerics, charts, analytics, things like that. Um, Hotjar is a visual tool, so it's like almost the opposite of anything that's like um, a, a chart or a table. It, it basically shows you the website page. It takes a snapshot of it and then shows you um, a few heat maps. Um, and those heat maps show how far people scroll down the page. So scrolling down, if you see a cold spot mm -hmm. where they're scrolling down, they're not getting any activity. That means like you have the wrong content and the wrong thing in there currently in the journey. There are other things in there like we can see like where they're clicking on the page, what's resonating most. So to clean up a lot of the journey and like a lot of the ongoing maintenance, the Hotjar program is like fantastic. And then there are yeah. other heat mapping um, programs there. It's just the one we choose. Yeah, we use um, internally. We use Lucky Orange. Uh, actually, talking to I know Danny Walkman from who's the CEO, a founder over there, um, and they're uh, it's a very equivalent product. Um, I don't think I can tell you the differences between the two. Um, we use their heat maps, uh, and what I understand, Hotjar has a free version. Um, Lucky Orange doesn't, um, but Lucky Orange is less expensive once you start using it more frequently. Um, so for those that are considering one, those are the two that I think I'd check out. Um, cool. So data really informs some of the strategy up front, it sounds like, in terms of the web design. And then uh, whenever you're going back, uh, you, it sounds like you're pulling data into Databox and presenting that to uh, clients uh, that you're already engaged with. Is that right? Yep. From those other sources. Yep. And then also um, Hotjar. Hotjar is a very uh, yep. influential one for the buyer journey as well. Is that what you were saying? Buyer journey. That's what you were, you were referencing. It wasn't um, like it wasn't Google Analytics buyer passes. Uh, well, no, we, we, more of the, we would yeah. use Google Analytics as well. Like you want to maintain like mm -hmm. the bounce rate and exit rates have come down, right? Hotjar yep. is not going to give you yep. that insight. So one shows you yep. you know the, the key metric of where you're losing them in terms of like larger data, and yep. the other one shows you um, like at a at a micro level. I mean, you can even like record sessions. You can yep. see at an individual yep. level what people are doing. So it's more of a, right. a buyer behavior type thing. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, and so what have you, you, you both have now seen the insides of a lot of HubSpot websites. I know Joe, Joe you and I kind of collaborated on an article about how not to get screwed when, uh, when you're building a site on the HubSpot content management system. And I, and I learned from you that there's a whole slew of ways that, um, people implement uh, sites incorrectly, right? They implement the code incorrectly. It causes a lot of problems. What's your experience uh, with that, uh, Kathy? Do you have, have you run into clients that are, it sounds like you, you, you've had some where the, the site needed to be fixed um, before you could really do much. Is that right? Yeah. One of my first um, processes when I work with a prospective client who's been using HubSpot is they make me an admin on their portal and I, quickly um, turn around and 
and work with Joe to determine the you know as I'm analyzing certain parts of their inbound strategy, Joe's analyzing other parts of the strategy going, oh, and well, I can't believe this was built like this. And so collectively, <laughs> data, which is really great. And that's, you know, the, the HubSpot has such powerful data. And if you can look at it from not only, um, you know, the the outbound part to, you know, the, the content and the strategy to yeah. make it run, but fundamentally how the site is built, it's the whole story. Yeah. So. Uh, we have seen some pretty ugly um, websites that were built um, in, in, in my experience, even prior to Joe working with um, web design companies that say even that they're HubSpot designers and they don't have a lot of experience. There's an expertise. And if you, um, Joe's team's probably built more HubSpot websites than anybody else. And, um, to just dabble in it, you're gonna you're gonna see the results of um, some some really poor design potentially that doesn't fit the mm -hmm. platform, doesn't integrate that the you know the conversion points are talking to each other. Um, we've seen some pretty ugly stuff, right? Jeff? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, even talking directly to some of your clients, like if they have a marketing team where. They might not be using you for a hundred percent of your services, right? You have large clients who are doing a lot of things on their own and coming to you for your expertise. There have been situations where folks couldn't update pages or drag things around because the, the prior developer broke the drag and drop editor. So if you're a real HubSpot junkie and you understand like the stuff that could happen inside templates and pages, um, we have uh, an obsessive, I almost call it like that Steve Jobs level scene in, you know, in, the, in the Steve Jobs movie where he's like, what's wrong with the fonts? And he was going crazy over the fonts. Like they, <laughs> I could get crazy like that at times. Our team is very like obsessed with making sure the code's clean, tested, um, that the modules work, they're easy to update. So you can build something in there uh, in HubSpot, uh, a court, you can go get your certification and your badge and you can say you're a HubSpot developer and, you could actually have designed a lot of sites, but if you're not designing a site with the buyer in mind, with that end user in mind, from the template level to the page level, you're not serving them. I'm not even just talking about clean or broken code. I'm talking about easy ability to like modify pages. That's where Kathy's team has been able to come in and do some fantastic work. I mean, we did this giant long pillar page video that like loads in two seconds. Like we helped them out on that, but they came up with the great content and the great structure for that. We just helped them make it easy to use. And that's really unleashed their creativity. So a lot of folks are out there stalled in their creativity because they're just hiring based on price. And we're not really that expensive. It's just that they want uh, ultra cheap and there's so many shortcuts that a marketer is not going to see, but a developer will. So we kind of have a saying around here, less code, more action. And it takes a developer to, find, <laughs> to, spot, a, to spot a lousy developer. Um, marketers mm -hmm. are generally not going to see that. We're, we're able to see that and uh, really be able to give the marketer the opportunity to unleash their creativity. And that's our goal, keep our buyers mm -hmm. happy. So it sounds like, um, Kathy, as a result of working with uh, the brand builders team and their template system and all of that, um, it's given your team the ability to do more uh, creative content, more uh, content and fo focus on uh, en enabling the content to perform better. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, as a video agency, <clears throat> Joe's example of our pillar page, I think we have 50 videos loaded on this page. and that's Really? Content. For everyone that's listening that doesn't know, what is a pillar page? Could one of you define that? 
Uh, a pillar page is um, an extensive um, resource on your web page uh, that is um, filled with tons of content that's hyperlinked that um, is uh, around one keyword or one one key um, topic that your business mm -hmm. wants to be found for. And it has a myriad of assets for conversions. It could be guides, it could be calculators, it could be videos, but it's it's extensive and it's it's your thought leadership as a brand about something really important to your business. And there's probably yeah. a better way to explain I, that. But I could just maybe explain yep. it in a different way too, is if you like think of like Neil Patel's long form blog, like for those that are following marketing, you know, Follow someone like Neil Patel, like, a long, like the ultimate long-form blog post, right? So uh, to yep. productize it, it just has a name. Like it's pillar page, right? Like one day someone just said, yeah. Right. I, I think uh, at HubSpot, I don't know if HubSpot came up with, I don't think HubSpot came up with the term. I think they might oh, have yeah. co-opted the term, but um, they have made it popular amongst HubSpot partners. But it's, it's basically um, for SEO and conversion, right? You can kind of accomplish both on the on one page, you pick a topic or a keyword phrase and you write as much content as possible or produce as much content in different formats as possible. Put it on that page, structure it with a little kind of a on-page navigation. What are they called? Hot links, yeah. Joe, where you can click to a specific page of the site, but it's all there anyways. Um, and where you can scroll all the way down. Um, and then uh, I think the next step, which is important, is you then take other pages on your site that are related to that topic, link to that pillar page. If you do an off-page link building, uh, getting links from other sites to your site, you would also link to that pillar page as well. Um, the idea is to get that ranking uh, highly in search. Uh, Google likes long-form content. The longer somebody stays on your site and actually reads stuff before they click back to Google, that's a signal to Google that it's quality content. So longer pages obviously perform better in that regards. Hey, Pete, um, and because there's more keyword than all that. Setup? Was that What's a that? setup? You asked us how it worked. What, that I could explain you it? Just came in and I know. knocked out I just wanted to. You, you set that up for HubSpot at, at some point? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just wanted to make sure we got it covered. Anyways, I think it's an important topic. And so, so back to you guys. Sorry for my yeah. rant there. Yeah, um, I learned something. The, uh, <laughs> we covered Pillar Pages now. We just call this Pillar Pages uh, topic uh, oh, yeah. podcast. Get the blog uh, so, so you've created one with 50 videos. I've never seen that. Obviously, with video on there, time of page is going to be crazy good. Uh, and I imagine you have text, of course, uh, interspersed. Yeah. So, yeah. And you're able to get that to load real quick, Joe, somehow. Yep. Yep. I, I, well, I, this is a plus for Joe and his team. What was so cool is you know, we, we launched this page. It wasn't loading very well. It was, it, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a lot of content. And in one of our mm -hmm. conversations, that we were just talking about other things. Joe's like, uh, and Matt, you know, there's probably a better way for us to do this. Why don't we take a stab at, you know, revisiting this, pay, you know, creating a, Joe, you'll have the technical part of what you guys did. But the next thing we know, within a week, we had a, a new template. We reloaded all of our videos and the load time just increased by at least 50 to 60% faster. Wow. So it was That's huge. Cool. Yeah. yeah. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. If you go online, you're not going to find any. Uh, again, this is probably technical weeds, but uh, you have some nerds listening to this, right, Pete? This is like, this is definitely. Yeah, I think we're we're on the geekier side of podcasts here. Uh, the fact that uh, we're uh, covering data. 
Yeah. So <laughs> if, if yeah. we put our real geek hats on, generally, like sites like YouTube, generally, like I don't know if they do it now, but in the past, haven't even like progressively loaded um, the, right. the videos. So it's rare. It's sometimes we get these situations where we get a request here. Can you do this? Can you make this happen? We want 50 videos on here. And we want the page to load at a normal page load time. And I'm like, okay, well, can you, can you show us where that's done already? And this is one of those where I, I struggled to find one where it was done already. So we, mm-hmm. we kind of get inventive. And those are the fun things. We love working on, on those types of projects where something yeah. hasn't been done and we can kind of make something new. So um, Yeah, and you're using it. Wistia, right, Kathy, for that? We are, yep. So you can track views of the different videos and make sure yep. it's actually working. Cool. Yep. Sure. Um, so let's let's um, get out of the get out of the geeky weeds a little bit and <laughs> and talk like talk the business benefits of your, your collaboration. So I think it was clear there's benefits to the client. They kind of get two teams for the for the price of one. There's really no coordination coordination cost to them because your teams have worked together in a bunch of projects and you're really efficient and you know you're joining each other in the sales process and I assume the same kind of collaboration continues post. You know, once they sign up with both of you and all that. So I see a lot of benefits to the client. They're getting the best of both worlds without paying for the overhead or, you know, a margin on top. Um, and so what is the benefit, though, uh, Kathy, to you, to a storyteller, from a, uh, from a you know, financial benefit, if there, if there is one, of, of collaborating? Beyond, you know, because you're not, you're not taking a cut. So, like, why do you do it? Um, it makes what we do better it makes different mm-hmm. outcomes so a great example of that is we've worked for a really long time with a private club called hazeltine national golf club um, they had a website that was okay um, we were creating a lot of content a lot of video a lot of landing pages we were seeing okay results um, when we started to um, really peel layers back at joe's team involved uh, Joe, they said, okay, let's start with a, a basic redesign. Um, mm-hmm. Integrated a lot of their back-end systems that was, in the beginning, thought that barrier of entry to be able to use HubSpot as a platform because it didn't integrate with the, the systems that okay. they were using, accounting and things like that. Um, okay. and so we created, Joe's team created a first version of their website things started to pick up. Um, then how many years later, Joe, was the second version launched? I think it was within the first um, six to 12 months. And we were focusing on, another, we had we had a lot of success on, on one part of the business um, related to the club and the golf side. And then they wanted to build out the banquet business the same way. So we had to go in and repeat that process. And so business. we were able to have multiple blogs. We were able to have some really um, unique landing pages that didn't that looked embedded as part of their website because they were very mm-hmm. brand sensitive. That they didn't want to mm-hmm. look cheap. They didn't want it. To, they wanted it to their website to match their culture. And I think that mm-hmm. you guys did a terrific job um, matching their culture and identifying their their online presence with their. Um, real life persona, um, and it was a client that was very um, difficult to please. Um, she had very high standards. She was mm-hmm. extremely happy. That was our benchmark as a team to say, "Boy, <laughs> if we can do this with Joe, we can make her happy." Well, <laughs> really, we're in good shape. Yeah, you know, this will be public. Are you still working with this woman? <laughs> we are very closely. And, <laughs> okay, um, good. 
She's comfortable in her own skin, I guess. It's a terrific story boiled down to the data. And um, over a period of time, we had the ability to measure what were the results um, of our, you know, tracking us over a certain period of time, like three years. Mm -hmm. Website, old website, first version of the website, latest version, because as we know, Mm -hmm. website never done, right? It's, it's just the right. latest version. Um, and, and it really is great stuff. They they had seen 65% increase in event sales, which was really important to them. Um, as a club, they, they were over a period of time um, driving um, up to 150 new golf memberships, which is a pretty significant conversion. Um, mm-hmm. They were able to wedding business by like 60% their social memberships and this was tracked and measured over the period of time that we worked together pre post Mm -hmm. in present website what it sounds like um it sounds like we should end on that note uh ultimately ultimately uh the you guys can drive better roi better results for clients as a result of uh, working together so I think that's uh, that's the lesson to be had here. Would you all agree? And do what you do best. And, you know, you started at the top of the call, Pete, with that statement. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe in this world of digital marketing, you can't be everything to everybody. So really pick what yeah. your lane is, stick to it, do it, do it as well as you can, and then find partners to complement what you don't do. And one I'm going to quote you on that one, Kathy, for sure. Find Go ahead, good Jim. partners. Find good partners. Don't just yeah. say build a partner program or just work with partners for the sake of work with partners. Find good partners who you work well with because it's 10x yeah. for both of you in that situation. So that is the key for sure. Yeah, my big takeaway here is that you, it's not transactional in any way for the two of you. Um, the, your teams work well together. Um, you work together across you know, from the first touch point with a prospect all the way through um, to three years later, right? Uh, with that client example you just shared, Kathy. So um, that's a tight relationship. And if you're going to do something like that, you better make sure you like the person and you trust them and, and uh, you can rely on them. So it seems like you, you two have that, which is, which is cool. You got it. Shared, shared cool. vision. All right. Well, thank you both for sharing. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll end it here. Awesome. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Pete, so much. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.